0: Our governor calls Utah the startup capital of the world, and it tracks. We've got a fast-growing, well-educated population and a buzzing economy. And just last week, Utah unveiled the Startup State Initiative, a resource portal for entrepreneurs. From step-by-step guides to a business plan generator, startup.utah.gov is now the first stop for starting or growing a business here. That's startup.utah.gov. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The final steel beam has just been laid at the astra Tower in downtown Salt Lake City. This bad boy looks nothing like the Carl's Jr. that once held its place. The tallest addition to the Salt Lake skyline and its two floors of penthouses won't be buzzing until the end of 2024. But folks in the real estate biz are watching it closely. Because what it's already doing is shifting the vibe downtown. It's Monday, October 16th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Mitch Finlinson, you are a real estate agent here in Salt Lake City. We've got a new addition to our skyline, the Astra Tower. It's going to be the new tallest building in the state of Utah. It's not finished yet, but the last beam is in. You already love it. Why?
1: I think that the thing that really draws me to the Ashford Tower is its kind of monolithic status in Salt Lake right now. It's Hmm. I think the building everybody knows about, but doesn't know what it is. And I think it really has taken to me as like a kind of marker of Salt Lake's next phase of growth and kind of what it's represented.
0: When did you start? to think a lot about the Astro Tower? Was it like when it was announced or when it started to
1: be built? I think it was when the drill fell over onto State Street. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that it was like a crane fell from the site onto State Street. Oh my and my God. partner that week was like, that's going to fall. And then it fell.
0: <gasps>
1: but the whole thing kind of collapsed. And I was like, what is this? What is this building going to be? Yeah. And looked into it more. And it's you know, going to be Salt Lake's newest skyscraper. And I think the thing that's crazy to me as well is that it's the first, like, building to take over the moniker of tallest building since the Wells Fargo building, which is, like, almost 25 years old.
0: It's not quite a skyscraper, though, is it?
1: The specification for a skyscraper is very subjective, apparently. But generally, it's either something 40 stories or more. Okay. Or something that's 150 meters, which is 492 feet which according to the Astro Tower website, they're like 40 feet short of that, but they are more than 40 stories. It could be classified as Salt Lake's first because it is the first building that's gonna be over 40 stories in Salt Lake.
0: It does feel like knowing what we know about developers and development, that 40 feet is like an invitation for someone to build a building that is 40 feet taller than the astra Tower.
1: The thing that's wild about this that really intrigues me, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the other like new wave of tall buildings in downtown, is that it provoked the zoning changes for all of downtown that just got approved this year. So there is no more cap on how high you can build. So I'm also... It's fascinating to me to see what it's going to kind of spring up. And I know this developer has other parcels in downtown that they will eventually build on if the Astro Tower is successful, is my understanding.
0: Hmm. Yeah, those zoning changes were just for like the business district, as I understand it, which is kind of like the true downtown.
1: It's all of downtown. The changes for height removal is just downtown. Yeah, just mm-hmm. the central business district. It also, I think, is so great because it's, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of all this already, but the changes that it brings to like making it a more pedestrian friendly, doing the mid block walkways, like Regent Street, regulating glass usage, regulating tree frontage, and like specifically forcing certain sized buildings to have privately owned public spaces that are accessible to everybody. And all of these new buildings don't have that. So it'll I think it's cool that this these kind of developments were the things that provoked the looking change head on, I guess, and making it work better for us in the future.
0: I love that idea of privately owned public space. It's something that I think when you look at the growth of cities and think about urban development, like privately owned public spaces are so key to making a downtown feel pedestrian. Like there are those nooks like they are privately owned public spaces are like where you hang out. Right. It's like the the like um, flower boxes in front of a a high rise where people will like sit and have a cigarette or like read something or kill a few minutes. Galvin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like all of those little park areas that you don't really get in dense urban downtown areas.
0: Well, you mentioned that this thing beats out the Wells Fargo building. We have fabulous mountain views here. I mean, I will say like on the other side of this kind of pro-density argument are the people of Instagram who are worried that a skyline will disrupt the mountain view that makes our city so iconic. How do you think about that?
1: I think that the way that the valley is situated and the way that downtown is situated within it, that it's far enough removed from the bench areas, like the avenues that would have a view corridor of the mountains, that it doesn't really detract from everything or block anything. Yeah. I think it enhances it in a kind of urban-y fun way. The other thing that's been really cool is, like, me and my friends will go to Memory Grove or to play pickleball up at 11th, and you get this, like, kind of downtown rising view that is changing and becoming more, more specific, I guess, and higher, in a way that I think adds to it because you can still see the ochres from everywhere. If you're at the, at the Capitol Hill side, you still get all of the Valley, like the, the Valley is so vast and large. I think you still get a lot of those views and in some cases can enhance it. And I also love when I'm driving in from the North or the South and you get the sunset views kind of reflecting a n- really great glow on downtown. It's really nice. I think it enhances everything ultimately.
0: Well, the most recent enormous building that I can think of in Salt Lake's downtown is that glass office building next to Harmon like, City Creek. one. Yeah. 95 state, yeah. Which like, I was obsessed with that for a while because First of all, they put shades down to cover those monitors in there that are showing like landscapes. But before they put the shades down, when it was just the giant screens on that intersection, I was like, these are gonna cause an accident. Cause I yeah. found myself like looking up to be like, oh, look, the buffalo, or ah. <laughs> and you're like... But before that, we had 111 Main, which is kind of the Goldman Sachs glass building next to the Eccles yep. Theater. Both of these were developed by the real estate arm of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but the Astra is not. It's built by a Boston-based investment firm. What do you think that means, that the new standout on our skyline is not a church property?
1: This has been my other kind of proselytizing point about the Astra Tower to like anybody that will listen, <laughs> is that it's such a marker of non-in-state, non-church development and it to me is a signal that you know we're ready for a kind of more elevated class of developers and builders that uh, as much as those other buildings are gorgeous you know they're designed for a function that suits the church and this is something that is outside imaginations and kind of goals that our culture doesn't have yet i feel like mm-hmm. and just to that point a lot of the church buildings are office buildings not residential this really is the first residential high-rise since American Towers that isn't church-owned.
0: I mean, this thing is truly a luxury apartment complex. Like, we often think of market rate as luxury here because yeah. some of these like Luxury's market Luxury's been rate, overused. Yeah, these like market rate, it's the new organic <laughs> is yeah, luxury honestly. apartments. <laughs> But this building is truly smiky. Like, it has a sauna, a cold plunge. There's a pet spa, a yoga studio. We don't even know how much these units will cost. We meaning me, you as a realtor, if you know, please share.
1: I don't think any, any rate numbers have been announced. But okay. it's, like, clear this is going to be, like, the pinnacle of Salt Lake City rental prices.
0: Yeah. Who is this for?
1: That's so interesting. I feel like it's for people immigrating into Utah, and the ultra wealthy that are already here. I'm thinking like jazz players that live at the hardware or ah. that live in like Salt Lake's current highest end rental are now going to move into projects like the Astra Tower. And then people that are coming from out of state who, you know, to anybody that's been in Utah for a while, it's going to be such sticker shock. Like some of the the newer developments that are coming online, there are one bedrooms that are you know, $3,000 a month in like the post district. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend from LA that moved here recently. He's originally from here. And he's like, oh, I'm moving into the post district. And I'm like, how can you afford that? It's like, that's not worth, there's better options for you. He's like, oh, I love it. It's so cheap Mm -hmm. because coming from LA, it is cheap. And Mm -hmm. so I think that when you compare like ultra high end in a bigger market to Salt Lake, I think those kind of people are going to come here and be like oh look at all this stuff i get downtown the highest view rooftop in the city and it's you know relatively what i'm used to price-wise so i think it'll be people like that
0: i also wonder about like empty nesters who are yeah living in wealthy neighborhoods now like if you're in the upper avenues and your kids have graduated and you're a single couple and you kind of like the prox, you'd like to be more proximal downtown. You can walk to a restaurant instead of having to drive. You're sick of shoveling snow. Like you've got an aging dog. (laughs) like, You could sell in these like benchy neighborhoods where probably when you bought, they weren't as swanky and move into a place like the Astra Tower and retire in luxury.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the people that are going to go out of another asset into like a home or another condo downtown into this, I think those kind of income earners are more going to be more inclined to buy something more bespoke or something that they actually own. And a lot of people in this income class are going to purchase, not rent. And that's also, I think, supporting why I think it'll be people coming from out of town, because I think it will be people who are either like conditioned to not want to purchase, which isn't really Utah's ethos. We love home buying here and it's so incentivized. Or people that are here getting the lay of the land and then they jump into an actual ownership opportunity. And it is a bummer, I think, as well, that there isn't more ownership opportunity downtown because I think that's like really desired and wanted right now.
0: One of the things that I feel like I hear people say when talking about luxury urban condo development, because I grew up in a tourist town, our downtown is also growing up in that way, is that they sit half empty. That's the, for those of us on the street walking by, that's the talking point is like, I bet half that building is empty because it's someone's second home. Do you think that's a mythology or do you think that could be probable in Salt Lake?
1: I think that's probable in this scenario because I don't, again, don't know the The rents on this, I'm guessing they'll be really high. And that person is probably going to have other, either other places or a lot of vacation time or maybe even commuter. And it's almost, it really brings back a lot of thoughts for me about Billionaire's Row in New York. Hmm. Granted, this is not the same thing at all, but that is like, that area of New York is such a race to go high into like its status over over the actual building. Like people are buying those just to have them as a asset, as like almost a collectible. So I wonder if there are people that will be like, oh, I just want a crash pad in Salt Lake. And this is my crash pad.
0: Mother's Day is on the horizon, and the good news is that you can find everything you need at Harmons. Whether it's a little something to brighten Mom's Day or a memorable spread, here are a few ideas. For breakfast, try Harmons' house-baked cinnamon rolls with freshly squeezed orange juice and a package of fresh-cut strawberries. If you're spicing it up with Bloody Marys, don't forget that Harmons has an olive bar with over 12 different varieties. Now, flowers are the perennial favorite, and you can order online or pop by the store last minute. Shop succulents, potted plants, and elaborate arrangements. May's flower of the month is the hydrangea. Very appropriate. Hydrangeas are fragrant and elegant. And if sweets are in order, Harmons has added raspberry to their selection of brownie flavors. Find all mom's favorites at your local Harmons or order online at harmonsgrocery.com. Epic Brewing is one of the OGs in building Utah's craft beer scene. But I am most excited about their recent adventures in canned cocktails. First, they released the Utah Mule. And as a big fan of ginger, I have been sipping those for almost a year now. But now, this April, we have the Utah Margarita a delicious, locally fermented blend of real lime and agave, and they create alcohol by fermenting cane sugar instead of using tequila, which means you can buy Utah Margaritas at the grocery store. Pick up a six pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita or Utah Mule at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or you can visit Epic Brewery on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. They're open seven days a week. And this fall, look out for the Utah Cosmo. It's interesting to think about how many people this building alone will bring to residential downtown. Because, like, my understanding is currently the number of people who reside in true downtown is around 5,000. 350 units, let's assume there's two people in each unit. Like, that almost adds a seventh of downtown's current population, right? In one building.
1: Yeah, it's almost the equivalent of another set of American towers in volume. And just to put it in perspective, the apartments you see on 4th South are called the five over one, which are the buildings that everyone's come to know that are ubiquitous with Salt Lake, which is the six story apartment buildings on 4th South. Yep. So the biggest one on 4th South is the Encore, I believe. And it's, I think it's like 189 units. So this is, you know, nearly double that in the same kind of s- footprint, essentially. And if you think about it even further, like these units are probably going to be really large. Mm. So you could fit in that same building footprint, many more smaller units in, in its size. If they're just looking at future, what like future developments would look like, you could have buildings that could easily pass 500 units in the same kind of size.
0: Okay, well on that note, we are in a housing crisis. I mean, what you're describing is yes, more housing, but it's not affordable and it's a pretty big use of space. Like you're saying we could be housing more people in this building than we are. Should it even have been built?
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the dichotomy of this building and this like new age of building in Salt Lake, because there will be more like, of course, you know such yeah. a fast growing city it's bound to happen and i think that this is also part of what was included in the zoning changes is including provisions for affordable housing mm-hmm. on future developments downtown and i think that yes it should have included some kind of element for a really truly more market rate like average market rate units which isn't atypical in other cities where you have like lower floors are affordable housing or a hotel or some kind of mixed-use development. And then the upper floors are the ultra-luxury, you know, high-end, and that's what's subsidizing the whole building. Um, I think that it's a shame that it isn't more focused on that, and I hope that in their future developments they will be forced to do that or will consider doing it. But I think it kind of is how the development market works, is you build the big shiny thing, and then it brings the money and attention and people to then build the thing that's more attainable for every person. Not saying I agree with it. No,
0: no, I hear you. Yeah, and it's kind of same, like part of me is so skeptical of that because I'm like, okay, it sounds a little bit like trickle-down economics.
1: <laughs> that's literally, I was thinking this, I was like, oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm like a ravenomics
0: person. <laughs> it sounds I'm a little not. like trickle-down. But then, on the other hand, I've heard the case made that like when we develop true luxury, we can release a little bit of pressure on in the market around like for example single family homes like people who can afford luxury are also looking for housing in this market so by giving them luxury do we release a bit of a pressure valve on the rest of the market on you know the sugar house 32s right
1: i think it puts downward pressure on all of the other housing units to, and and i was and another big point about it is It kind of steps up Salt Lake's game as a whole, and it sets a new bar and all of these, I call them fast casual architecture. um, All of these apartment buildings being built that are pretty bland design-wise. They're pretty copycat, like boring buildings. I think that they are the ones in the tough spot because they're not offering anything unique or new, and people are just getting more choices, and the choices just keep getting better. And Mm -hmm. so I think those, what is now deemed luxury, I think is what's going to take the price hit and then Mm -hmm. become more attainable for more people because the people that are going to pay that price are gonna take the little bump and go somewhere much nicer now.
0: Yeah. Okay, before we go, I just wanna talk a little bit about the Salt Lake skyline generally. Why does it matter?
1: This was a myth going around when the Wells Fargo building was being built about there was a hidden code or a kind of handshake agreement that you don't breach the church office building in the skyline. Like, that's the highest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that the Wells Fargo building is smaller than the church office building, but it's on a declined hill. So it is actually taller by two feet. But it was kind of a thing in the late 90s. I remember it so well that it was like you don't go past the church office building. And that kind of stuck in my head. And this, I believe Astro Tower will be at or above the church office building in the skyline. And I think that that's significant culturally as like a city in a state where it feels like we are relegated to whatever the church wants and kind of dictates in some ways. I think it's a positive sign to have something that is almost like a beacon of hope <laughs> that there's change on, on the front. But also I think that love it or hate it, it's I think it's significant because it's a, a sign of our densification. And like the growing skyline, whether you like it or not, is a sign that we're doing things that I think are smarter development downtown. Like those kind of buildings belong downtown. And I think that it's important to keep the skyline where the skyline belongs, which is right there.
0: Well, something I've been thinking about, lately with the Astra Tower going up is, how much does our real skyline have to change before we start to change our pop culture skyline? So like here's an example, Mm. lead producer Emily Means has a tattoo of the Salt Lake City skyline on her arm, on her forearm, and I'm like, I think you have to go get the Astra Tower added. Like, when do we have to update the coffee mugs that are being sold at the airport? Like, how much change to our skyline is enough that we have to kind of like change our skyline cartoons?
1: I think give it a couple more years because you're going to be making a lot of revisions. Okay. Emily, don't change your tattoo just yet. Give it a couple years. Okay. My understanding is there's a lot more of these coming. Yeah. There will always be a bigger thing. I really do think this will bring in more developers, more outside money. The fact that it isn't just a Utah guy building a big building with all of his buds, it's like somebody from outside of our state was like, this needs more. And I think it's almost like a a trial run of can Salt Lake handle something like this, like, is this even something Salt Lake can pay for? Like, will the residents actually show up? And if it does, I think it'll show people like, oh, Salt Lake's becoming a quote unquote world-class city that is able to handle the people that that come from a lot of different demographics, I guess.
0: Mitch Finlinson, local realtor, thank you so much. Thank you, Allie. For a while now, Salt Lake City has been looking to turn downtown Main Street into a permanent pedestrian promenade between South Temple and 400 South. In essence, a permanent version of the summer and fall open streets concept that took off after the pandemic as a way of revitalizing some of those businesses. The question now is, how far do we take it? The city's been collecting your feedback, and now they have some things for you to vote on. Specifically, five proposals for Main Street and four proposals for the section of 100 South between Main Street and the Salt Palace. The renderings range from pedestrian-only to cars sometimes to cars always change nothing. Vote for your favorite by taking the survey at mainslc.com. I also linked it in the show notes for you. The thing I'm happy to see in almost all of these proposals is trees. Lots of green space. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.